0: When I say, can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Can you dig it? Can can, can,
1: can, can, Here we go. All right. We're back with another episode of Can You Dig It? A podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SP Nation Lakers community. Uh, You can find all of our work at silverscreenandroll.com. And if you're wondering why you're hearing my voice and not Jacob's, uh, it is true that we do not have a Rewatchables uh, pod plan today. Our version of uh, Bill Simmons Rewatchables. And uh, it it honestly just came down to the lack of games that are available online. Like, I know a lot was made about NBA League Pass just opening their archives. And I think to a lot of people, they figure that's like every game that's ever existed just available to us at our fingertips, which would have been wonderful. But unfortunately, that's not the case, Jacob. So uh, we're going to do something a little different today. But uh, so first, how are you dealing with life and quarantine? I know um, today or the, when we were supposed to re- when we record this uh, Wednesday night, was supposed to be the night the Lakers played the Indiana Pacers, but that did not end up happening uh, because the season was postponed. Uh, does that bum you out a little bit?
0: I haven't even been able to open. like I had a calendar that has that had all the Lakers games, all the Pelican games, um, just kind of like my general day-to-day schedule. I haven't even been able to open that up because I'm so bummed every time at the bottom I see, oh, the Lakers are supposed to play this team, or, oh, the... Pelicans are supposed to play the Grizzlies or stuff like that. I'm just still bummed out about all this. But I filled the void by watching like everything available on Netflix at this point. <laughs> like I am running out of things to stream. Uh, I watched Tiger King in the last week, which is absolutely incredible. I hope you've watched it. No, I haven't
1: yet. You know what's oh so funny is you are the first person I had ever heard like watching that show and then i i kid you not five minutes after we had stopped recording i got a text from my girlfriend saying babe you have to watch tiger king like you have to and i'm like
0: what is this what are we yeah. doing here it is absolutely bonkers um <laughs> i watched more recently i don't know if you watch the movie midsummer
1: Oh, you know what? I watched uh, *Hereditary* around Halloween time last year, and it's by the same uh, director. *Hereditary* was nuts. *Midsummer* and... was absolutely bonkers too. <laughs> yeah, from what I've heard, like from from how it's been put to me, *Hereditary* is like a creepier movie, but the visuals and like I guess auditory torture they put you through in *Midsummer* just scars your soul
0: oh yeah yeah that would that would definitely be the case i uh i went into it very just basically without knowing anything about it i knew it was a horror movie but that was about it and they make it pretty clear early on that it's a it's a horror movie but uh i'll say i tweeted this the first about hour is a lot of like you just feel really anxious and like uh, you know, something ominous is going to happen, but like it's a lot of setting the table. And then the final, like, hour almost 90 minutes is just absolutely bonkers. Like, <laughs> it's on uh Amazon Prime, if you have that, that's what I yeah. watch it on. And
1: you're trying to get me to watch it, I just it doesn't sound like something like if I don't have to see it, I won't.
0: <laughs> uh, that would be a yeah, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just knew it was a really kind of heralded movie. Uh, I wouldn't blame you. It's a, it's a lot to take in. Uh, I tweeted, I, I tweeted out like basically what I said after the first hour. It's like I feel like something's going to happen, and Alex Regla and um, someone else both replied and were like, just wait. And then eventually, in like that thread, I was like, it, it picks up at a certain point where it's just insanity. And I just replied, like, am I high? Like, is this a bad trip? I don't understand <laughs> what's going on as I watch this. It is, it is wild. I don't think I could compare it to anything. Uh, it is well within its own category. It, I, I mean, Hereditary. I haven't watched it. I will need to get in the right headspace to watch another movie uh, uh, by that director again. Yeah, uh, but it is I am. something.
1: I'm very much um, like an odd like you know when you you take those assessment tests to find out what kind of learner you are when when you're younger mm-hmm. uh, I've always been an auditory learner so from what I've heard I'd hate it just because like apparently there are just sounds in that movie that you're just not supposed to hear like in your day-to-day life and like if you if you've lived a good life, You'll hear sound. You won't hear sounds that are made in that film. And I felt the same was could be said about *Hereditary*. Like there are shrieks of horror in that movie. Which shout out to uh, the actress. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, she was in *Knives Out*. Um, uh, God, hold on. Sorry, this is gonna fuck me. I have to look this up before we jump into basketball, which I promise we will do eventually. Uh... But, God, what is her name? Uh, it is Tony Collette or Collet. I don't know. But she was incredible in that movie because she made me believe that she was going through everything that was happening to her. And, buddy, she she goes through a lot in that movie. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a, around Halloween time, I'd say, you definitely have to be in the right headspace and know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you do that, I will, I will watch Midsummer. That is and and I will watch Tiger King. I promise I'll do it by the next time we speak.
0: Yeah. Tiger King, you don't have to be in any sort of headspace. That is <laughs> the most bonkers. Like I can't even at no point in that, that documentary did. I know what was coming next. So you, <laughs> you absolutely need to watch that. It's, it was incredible.
1: Yeah. Our, our buddy Harrison, uh, who is the site manager at silver screen and roll, um, said that everybody in the show look like a far cry villain based on that tweet alone i kind of want to watch it so
0: yeah he nailed it with that uh
1: there is basketball to talk about if you can believe it um nothing too great because games aren't being played if uh you're just joining us um i don't know where you've been (laughs) but things aren't great uh the NBA season has been suspended uh due to the growing threat of COVID nineteen, more commonly known as the coronavirus. And we really don't know when it's gonna be back. Um, but in an episode of Road Trippin', uh, which is hosted by Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, and Allie Clifton, who now does uh is a studio host for Spectrum Sportsnet, uh does some sideline stuff too. Um so uh, during that podcast this week, they did like a quarantine podcast. Uh not dissimilar to what we're doing now except we're not millionaires (laughs) unless unless i'm making assumptions that i shouldn't be making about you jacob
0: you can make those assumptions
1: (laughs) um and they 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 asked lebron like hey channing fry I, i should say channing fry asked lebron like hey man if the season came back tomorrow um like what would that look like like how how would that look and he's i and To my surprise, he was pretty honest about how much time he'd need to get back into the the swing of things like So his quote is um, we've been out for about a week and a half now. So I think maybe one and a half, two weeks of mini training camp and then five to ten games uh, talking about regular season games to get ready for the playoffs. I mean, if we're just talking about finishing the regular season, you don't need that much. um, I'm guessing because you know, the regular season would act as the preseason to the playoffs. Uh, but then he continues by saying you can do a week of training camp camp and get back into it by the end. But when you've been building six months of conditioning and preparation, that's where the quote cuts off. Um, I completely agree. Cause you think about the risks of players, uh, even players that take as good bodies or as good care of their bodies as, as LeBron James does. Um it at the end of the day it's still a human body and you don't want to put that kind of pressure on it uh immediately to go from not playing NBA basketball for months to playing it at the highest level, uh, you know, a hundred percent effort. I just think that is um an unrealistic goal, and I think LeBron's right to, you know, set the record straight on that.
0: That's a thing that I think we also aren't really taking into account when we just, when we debate how long it's going to be before sports are back is that the vast majority of these guys, um, don't have any sort of personal gym or anything or personal court, I should say. So like a lot of these guys for, gosh, I don't know. Has it been three weeks since the season was canceled? It seems like an eternity. Um, they pretty much haven't picked up a basketball, um, which is really just unprecedented. Like even during the off season, these guys are shooting. So there's going to be an extended kind of preseason training camp period. Um, there's so many questions that that are going to have to be answered. What do you do with guys whose contracts are set to expire on June 30th? Because it's almost certain that the season won't be done by then um just stuff like that but uh no i don't the i think lebron is right i think and i that the timeline he even gave seems a little optimistic i think i think it'll take multiple weeks of a training camp just to get everybody back into shape and then there's no way they're going to put these guys straight into the playoffs um the, the playoffs mean too much, and these guys are going to be so rusty. Um, they'll, whether it's considered a preseason or the rest of the regular season, they're going to play games before the playoffs. Um, but I don't see it start. I mean, it just on that timeline, even if um, I think they extended kind of the national lockdown basically until the start of May, even if you kind of play the timeline out from there, you're looking at games not starting until the end of May or beginning of June. Um, and then you're talking a couple months of playoffs. And, I mean, we're looking into July and August before the season gets over. But, yeah, I mean, June would even feel like a, an optimistic start to the season at this point. I know baseball had said, and they're kind of in the same boat, they were getting all ramped up for uh, – the season was spring training, and everything came to just a sudden halt. They said I or I saw today that July fourth is the date they're targeting. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a similar date for the NBA as well, um, which feels like an absolute eternity away.
1: Yeah, and it's it's even crazier. Like it, it's funny to think July fourth, at least in I want to say for the last five years, has been the day that all of the major free agents make their decision by, Now we're talking about finishing the regular season. Uh, The, I I think it's something like 1920 games left on the regular season schedule schedule starting on July 4th. Uh, That just paints the picture of, of the uphill battle they have uh, to finish the season. And I would be shocked if, if the season wasn't shortened, which would obviously suck for teams like, uh, the Kings and the Pelicans that are, and and the Trailblazers who are the ninth seed. I feel like they get lost in this pretty often. You talk about teams that are making the push for the eighth seed. I mean, they have Damian Lillard for God's sakes, but um, yeah, those teams that could very feasibly uh, make that push for the eighth seed with the with the schedule the Grizzlies have. Uh, a shortened season obviously wouldn't be great for them. Uh, I've said this before on the podcast. I think um, a play in like mini tournament for the eighth seed would be just what the, what the NBA needs to, you know, get its ratings back and make up for whatever lost money they had. Uh, Especially if you're gonna, uh, if they're going to do it in a bubble, as, as they've suggested, whether it's in Las Vegas or the Bahamas or, you know, what have you. Uh, I think it would be interesting, Uh, but who's to say Uh, LeBron did say one other thing on the podcast that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, And it was in regards to the idea that he's getting all sorts of rest right now uh, with, with the hiatus and how much his, you know, how much miles he has on his body. Um, But I will, I will just read the quote from him. Uh, He said, The narrative that I don't like is, well, now guys get so much rest or LeBron's 35. He has so many minutes on his body. Now he can get so much rest. It's actually the opposite for me because my body, when we stopped playing, was asking me like, what the hell are you doing? My body was like, hey, man, what the hell is going on? It's March 13th. You're getting ready for the playoffs. Why are you shutting down now? And I was right there turning the corner. I felt like I was rounding third base, getting ready for the postseason. So the rest factor, I think, it's a little overly blown, especially when uh, when you're in the full swing of things. I don't know about you, Jacob, but hearing LeBron James talk about how ready and excited he was for the playoffs makes me so excited for the playoffs, and it's so sad that we're months, like several months away from seeing that, assuming we see it.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that's a – yeah, but when I was listening to that, I – I just got kind of, like, sad again because he really was, um, he was right. He had turned the corner. The the Milwaukee Clippers, um, I I was going to say back-to-back, but I guess three-night span, that seemed like he had turned the corner. And I know we joked last year about playoff LeBron when he said he was activating it early and then nothing happened. That was playoff LeBron, those two games, um... And that man, again, those games feel like an absolute eternity ago. But I was so excited watching those games because I would say there, there's certainly no active athlete more kind of in tune with his body than LeBron and maybe all time. Like he always knows he's done this so many times. um, He knows when it's time, when it's playoff time and when he has to kind of take it up a notch and start ramping up and, getting ready for for the playoffs and that was happening uh he was he was getting ready he was starting to peak at the right time and who knows now i mean i'm still really excited it, assuming the season um was ever finished but i'll be excited for the playoffs but i don't know it's going to i mean it's going to be impossible for him to carry him or any other team in the league to carry any of the momentum they had uh, Positive or negative? I guess uh, where they currently were. Um, there's just so many interesting factors. I mean, you're talking about the Blazers. They might have a totally new look front court by the time we uh, play right. games again because mm-hmm. Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins potentially both could be healthy by then, and then that changes everything for them. They were kind of on the downside out of that playoff picture, and with those two, they're going to be. Uh, they could potentially be a really scary eight seed to match up against so there's just so many factors but yeah I mean it really it really bummed me out hearing him say that because I mean obviously there's vastly bigger things that we should be worrying about but just from a as a sports fan um man it really felt like this was a year and uh, they were really starting to peak and make some statements and now who knows um Whenever the playoffs do start, who knows what kind of shape any of the teams are going to be in.
1: Yeah, it, it really does sound like, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, sports mean very little. Uh, but that is what we're here to talk about. Uh, and I got so excited hearing LeBron talk about playoff basketball that when we come back from our break that we're going to take uh, here in a second... Uh, we're going to talk about some of LeBron's best playoff performances, and uh, for anybody familiar with LeBron James' resume career, uh, there are quite a few of them. So we're gonna we're gonna try to get through them, uh, and that'll be uh, when we get back. So LeBron James didn't make the playoffs last year, which I think it, 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 from that point it just seemed like everybody forgot what kind of player LeBron James was in the playoffs, uh, even like in general. The, the conversation around, um, you know, who the greatest players in the league were going into the season uh, and LeBron James not being where he used to be. I get that to an extent, uh, but LeBron James at 100 percent is still the greatest player in the league, in my opinion. And I think he showed that against uh, the Bucks and the Clippers uh, with Giannis and Kawhi. Um, like no disrespect to, disrespect to Giannis, the numbers he's putting up this year are like straight-up video game numbers. He's ridiculous, and he's probably going to uh, take home a second MVP this season. Uh, but, that being said, I I still like the Lakers' chances with LeBron James in the playoffs, and a lot of that has to do with the success he's had carrying uh, lesser teams and good teams in, in the postseason. So, I thought it would be a good idea uh, as a Reminder to to everybody else, but also just as a fun exercise for us, to look back at some of LeBron James' uh, most memorable playoff performances. Uh, none of which have come with the Lakers yet, unfortunately. Uh, but um, this this idea was kind of inspired by the fact that ESPN is re-airing some of the classic playoff games uh, on Wednesdays, the nights we were or the nights we record. The Lakers will be having their uh, classic night on April 15th they're going to be playing uh game five uh game 5 or 6 what did that Orlando series go to I believe it was five games six
0: maybe okay. I Okay, don't remember like, i can <laughs> the look it but...
1: game of that uh that magic series uh and then of course game 7 of uh the finals against the Celtics in 2010 You're i thought right. it was, it really was funny uh, that it was five uh, games five games okay that's what i thought um, I thought it was funny looking at the schedule that the Lakers night had two championships from two different seasons and the Celtics night had two games from the 2008 series, because hmm. as we've said on this podcast before that dynasty, they had only won one championship together. Uh, so, I mean, that made me feel a little good, um, but yeah, on, uh, on Wednesday, April 1st, they re-aired uh, Game 7 of that incredible Cavaliers-Warriors series uh, where Kyrie Irving completely ethered uh, the Golden State Warriors and LeBron James had that incredible block on Andre Iguodala. I think if you're talking about incredible playoff performances by LeBron James, uh, you have to start with that season because he was he was just incredible.
0: Really, just about every uh run to the finals with the Cavs, his second go around was just ridiculous. Um that was I, the
1: way ended in like hardware.
0: <laughs> well yeah, but uh even their first finals against the Warriors where he had Matthew Delavadova and Timothy Mozgov as his right. like two best uh healthy teammates at that point when I still think he should have won the M V P um in that series he averaged 35 good lord, 35 13 and 11 I, I mean, like that that break 35 yeah. good lord Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I even I, I mean I was campaigning for it at the time and even I forgot how ridiculous it was um but yeah I mean any list of LeBron's greatest games I think has to include that game 7 in 2016 I I had it on my list but I mean, I know those Warriors series all ended, well, virtually all of them ended the same, but there were some really fun matchups between those two teams over those years.
1: Yeah, I. It really is a shame that the Warriors, like, dynasty, if you will. Um, I, I don't know why I'm downplaying it. They were, they were a basketball mm-hmm. dynasty uh, with Kevin Durant. But in the years before that, I I was gonna say it's a shame that. Um, the whole Kevin Durant free agency saga happened. Uh, obviously we saw some of the best basketball that a team will ever play. And I think that's awesome. Uh, but the Warriors were just like a really, really fun basketball team. Like I enjoyed while the Lakers were out of the playoffs, um, rooting for them to win and kind of play spoiler against LeBron who up to that point had like a Tom Brady esque career where he's just like, this guy just can't stop winning. And uh, so I thought, uh, I thought that series was a lot of fun. Uh, That Warriors team was really good. But again, even against, uh, you know, a player that was having one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a player uh, in, in Steph Curry uh, for him to have a monster season like that. And for LeBron James to just say, okay, that was fun. Uh, Time to play basketball again. Is has to be incredibly disheartening because uh, if he has the talent, I just, God, there, there are very few players I think I'd rather have in a playoff series than LeBron James uh, and, uh, and a star talent.
0: I don't know that they're, I mean, Michael Jordan, I think, would be the only other debate. Um, I think the other game from those Warriors run-ins that you have to include is the game one of the 2018 finals um, where he had 51 points? I guess more at this point, it's more known for being the Jr. Smith uh, game. But I think part of the reason that meme about or uh, LeBron just kind of yelling with like his hands to the side at Jr. was because he was absolutely unreal <laughs> in that game. Um, I think. It would be, just in terms of, like, pure, not taking into account any of the, like, circumstances. That's as good as I remember LeBron playing. And then you add the fact that it's a finals game against probably the best version of the Warriors they ran into. Um, He was unbelievable. He, He ended up with 49 points in regulation and really had done everything right to get the Cavs into a spot to steal a game and maybe kind of change the, the landscape of that series. But um, I mean, Jr. Smith stepped in and had other ideas, but <laughs> 51 points on 19 of 32 shooting. Uh, he had eight rebounds and eight assists. He was all in 47 minutes. He was absolutely incredible. And really that might be his most impressive playoff run because he got a pretty mediocre Cleveland team to the finals by just going bonkers through uh, through the Eastern Conference. They were, I don't think they were the best team in the Eastern Conference that no. year, but they had the best player, and uh, that's all that matters sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think if you... I don't have the standings in front of me right now, but if I had to guess, the Raptors probably ended up the one seed that year, because as, as much flack as the Raptors get for not being able to get past LeBron James the Raptors were a very very good basketball team in the years that you know DeMar DeRozan was there did they crumble in the playoffs? Did DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry crumble in the playoffs? Absolutely like without fail to the point where it's where it's almost funny um, but DeMar was DeRozan was the fourth the,
0: seed that year who? The Cavs? The, the Cavs were the fourth seed the Raptors were the one seed
1: okay yeah that's what I thought um but yeah, I mean, that Raptors team was really, really good. And under any other circumstances, they probably would have been the team to go to the finals. Uh, would they have melted down in the finals as well? Probably. Yes. <laughs> uh, would, would them making the finals uh, make them less inclined to trade for Kawhi Leonard when they did? Probably. Um, but yeah, they, I, I. but what what I'm trying to say is that Raptors team was really good LeBron James was just better. And I think if you look throughout his, his playoff history, that just was the case with a lot of series he was in.
0: Well, that, and specifically with Toronto, like there was definitely something, there was a mental edge there that he had after just beating down that franchise so many years in a row. Yeah. Uh, he went back to Cleveland uh, 2015. So 2016, he beat the Raptors in six, 2017, he swept them, uh, the first three games all by double digits, and then 2018, I actually had this as one of my probably honorable mention type of games, the game two against Toronto that year, he had 43, uh, 8 rebounds, 14 assists. What I remember most about that game is the fourth quarter turned into him just having like a personal horse competition almost where he was just <laughs> shooting absolutely ridiculous shots and just could not miss. Um and it was almost like playing with your food. Like I felt bad for the Raptors in that moment. Uh LeBron had 27 in the second half. Um and the the Cavs won going away. They won by 18. And I just remember watching that thinking, like, I don't know how the Raptors are going to come back out here for two more games because they look <laughs> just utterly defeated watching LeBron just throw up everything and make it. I think the, it might have been the next – I don't remember which game he had the buzzer beater um, that series as well. But uh, between those two games, there was no way the Raptors were um, – winning that series, I was trying to pull it up. I think it was game two that – or game three, excuse me, that he hit the the full court, or he went the full length of the court and threw up like a – it was a impossible shot, too. It, he's like running one way and throws it up back the other way. Yeah, it was game three. So he followed up playing horse in the fourth quarter by hitting a buzzer beater in game three, and then they won by 35 in game four. Like, it's unbelievable the mental – Advantage he had over that franchise.
1: Yeah. And, and all of the jokes that the Raptors get because of LeBron for for that exact reason uh, is why they, they can't even really say anything like no. I can't. Can you think of a player that had a team's number the way LeBron had the Raptors number?
0: I was trying to think if I know Kobe roasted the jazz a whole bunch, but it never yeah. felt like i mean the jazz had some tough series against them obviously the very first one um off the top of my head no but i would have to maybe look back at some of the older series but i mean lebron just routinely dismantled that team 2017 in the four game sweep he scored 35 39 35 and 35 points yeah Uh, um the year prior in six, in the well in the 6 game uh series he only averaged 26 but um they their their margins of victory for their four wins 31 19 38 and 26 um filth yeah it, he was he was very rude to the uh to those Raptors teams and he just completely just destroyed them to the point that they eventually, I mean, you're right. They had a really good team and they had to break it apart because I don't think there was any way that they were going to win as the group they were because LeBron just beat them down so much.
1: Yeah. Well, they got their title in the end. Shout out to them. Shout out to Kawhi, which I know is sacrilege, um, in this, uh, (laughs) basketball climate. But, uh, what he did was pretty special. Um, LeBron has made a lot of finals in his career. Um, he made what was it? Something disgusting like um seven straight, cons- I believe. I yeah. Was it ten? No, I it was it was something nutty three
0: I can count. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna count um, five, six, seven, eight straight.
1: Disgusting. That is <laughs> Gross. Uh, but he, he made one finals. A twenty-two-year-old LeBron James yeah. uh, carried a team with not a ton of talent. Um I think the second leading scorer on that team that season uh was was Larry Hughes. Um and I, I don't know if you know, but um, I don't think Larry Hughes ever made an all-star game in his career. Uh, it's uh wasn't a great team, but he did it.
0: Who do you think was – so in the finals that year, they they got swept by the Spurs, and yeah. though the scores were close, that never felt close. What do you think – or who do you think was the second leading scorer in those uh, – In that final series.
1: Well, judging by um, how beloved he is amongst Cavs fans, or at least was, uh, I'm going to go ahead
0: and guess Anderson Verichel. (laughs) He was sixth. He played 24 minutes a game, averaged seven and a half points. All right. Uh, I don't know if you remember Booby Gibson. He was third. (laughs) Uh, He came out of nowhere and just started hitting a bunch of threes. Uh, Drew Gooden was second at 12.8 points per game. Uh, that Cavs team, I mean, if you, it was LeBron, Drew Gooden, uh, Daniel Gibson, Sasha Pavlovich, which is a name I haven't thought of in a while. Uh, Zajunas, uh, Verjao, Larry Hughes was on that team. He only played two of the games though. I think he got hurt. Um, Danielle Marshall was on that team. Shannon Brown, a very young Shannon Brown was on that team. Uh, That was a very bad team. But as bad as they were in the finals, uh, and this may have been what you were leading to, but that Detroit series, um, that game five where he scored, I want to say it was like 29 of the last 30 in the last 25 straight through fourth quarter overtime and the second overtime. That was like, Everybody knew he was really good, but that was like, oh my god, this guy is going to live up to all the hype. (laughs) Like He had so much hype, and for him to just keep going... And that was a really good uh, Pistons team. That was still almost the entire starting five. They basically swapped uh, Ben Wallace for Chris Webber. That was still a really good Pistons team that he just absolutely obliterated that night. He finished with 48, 9, and 7, but... Yeah, he had uh, 11 in the fourth, 9 in the first overtime, and 9 in the second overtime.
1: Yeah, and and the reason I picked uh, that game, that game five, is just because, again, we're talking about a 22-year-old player, and we talked about this uh, with Kobe not too long ago, uh, just how crazy it is for somebody to take over at that age, um, you know, comparing it to, you know, Trey Young or Luka Doncic to, to have that gene in you, which I know it's cliche to say, like you have that, that killer gene in you, just the championship mentality, terribly cliche, but also totally relevant in this situation for a 22 year old kid to put up 48 on a very good Pistons team. Uh, I think And I I totally agree. I think that's the moment a lot of people went, all right, well, (laughs) this kid's here to stay. Don't know if we'll finish it, Uh, but to rise up to the occasion that way and and lead your team to a finals berth and at the age of 22 is just nuts Uh, for that series. He averaged twenty five point seven points per game, nine point two rebounds, eight point five assists and two point seven steals. Uh, again, I don't know if I said this already, but he was 22 years old um, and not like by any means. If if you watch highlights from this Eastern Conference Finals in the final series, LeBron James wasn't a polished player by any means. LeBron James oh, wasn't no. the player we knew now. Uh, I think he's even said in an interview that that series against the Spurs is the reason he became a three-point shooter. Just because the Spurs kept daring him to shoot from everywhere on the floor. Uh, And for the most part, it worked out for them. And I I think again, a a young player, uh, but for, for him to, to do what he did in the Eastern conference finals um, for how, I don't want to say unskilled because obviously you don't put 25, nine and eight up for being unskilled, uh, but still raw, like to have that raw talent and still, it's just, it's awesome. And I, I, that's why, that's one of the games I picked.
0: He only attempted three threes in a double overtime game. He played 50 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, he wasn't a shooter. Uh, when you watch the highlights of that game, every clip is just him driving right at the rim and finishing um, pretty much for the last quarter and multiple overtimes. I think the lasting image I have of that game is game's over and LeBron was either sitting on the bench with like his head under a towel, just looking absolutely exhausted or he was just bent over. And Mike Brown went over and kind of like kissed him on his head. And I always thought of that as like Mike Brown, just thanking him for, I don't want to say bailing them out, but just, (laughs) it was just kind of one of those performances where it's like even a good head coach, like you're not going to be able to do anything to, to tell him what to do or anything. Like he was just in the zone in that game and it was almost like an acknowledgement from Mike Brown that like yeah you're you carried us you did this like thank you because um it was incredible all the sh- the shots he was hitting were just crazy layups in the post against uh, like Rasheed Wallace and guys who were respected defenders and he's going up against Tayshaun Prince who was arguably the best wing defender in that uh, era and just going at those guys repeatedly it was it's one of my favorite games i had it um number five on my list which is wild to think looking i mean that's when i as i was putting this list together it was kind of a reminder of how good lebron is that this game that i remember being so wild to see in the moment is only like one of his top five best playoff games versus like being just the outright best
1: uh do you before we go do you have uh one more game that you want to touch on
0: i well i'm surprised we never mentioned it considering it also who it came against but i think his best performance probably ever was uh, against boston um the 2012 eastern conference finals um game six the the infamous game i think if there's any game that uh people are going to remember LeBron for it's probably this one, like the one singular game that stands out. Um, I remember being, uh, it was being at a, a friend's house in college during the summer. We all got together to watch this game. Um, and just being in a mate, just being amazed at what LeBron did. Um, he came out red hot in that game. I remember he had 30 in the first half. Um, on the road against a Boston team that had been kind of his kryptonite in some ways. Um, And that was another game where there'd been a lot of questions, especially the, I think it was a year prior. Yeah. Where they lost to Dallas and there were kind of a lot of questions of whether like we knew he was really good, but we didn't really know if he could take it to that next step and be kind of one of the elites all time. And I think this is a game where people realize like, this dude's a bad man. Like, he finally kind of embraced what he was in Miami and um, really took it to the next level, I thought, and saved the heat from, I think he said in that same, I don't know if it was that, or he did an Instagram Live, actually, I think, where he was talking about that game, and he said his mindset going into that game was, if we lose, they're going to blow up the team, uh, because i had been back-to-back years without a title, which... Yeah. I don't know that that would have necessarily been the case, but um, there was a lot of pressure on the that Miami team. And they're on the road against uh, a, a still kind of clinging to the last uh, straws of their greatness kind of Boston team. And LeBron just absolutely, he ended that quote-unquote dynasty that Boston likes to talk about um, on that night. He just eviscerated that team.
1: Yeah, I and you know, never doubt Pat Riley because <laughs> he's done some uh suspect things over the past um, I was gonna say a few years, but really a few months. Uh, <laughs> but for him for him to blow up the team, I don't know if it, if they would have done that. I feel like they maybe would have retooled around uh LeBron and D Wade, like Chris Bosh would have been moved or something. Yeah, uh, but I think LeBron was fine in Miami, like. Who's, who's going to trade LeBron you know um, but yeah I, I definitely think that was uh, probably if not the best one of the best playoff uh, performances we'll see from LeBron uh, and hopefully the next best will come the next time the Lakers play in the postseason uh, until then whenever that is God just please come eventually that's all I'm <laughs> asking for uh until then I uh, I shouldn't say until then, we'll see you next time uh, because we're going to be back next week and there there won't be playoff basketball next week. Uh, uh, But I'm going to stop rambling. Jacob, thanks as always, uh, and we'll see you next week.